0: Thanks for tuning in to Real Original. My name's Dave, and today we've got Manny. Hi. And we've also got Jared here. Hey, that's me. And we're going to be discussing Manny's new favorite movie, Mute. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already got a bit of a spoiler from Manny about how he feels about this movie. So I, I don't know exactly how he feels, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't a huge fan. Mm, that's, that's taking it lightly,
1: but we, we can dive into that later.
0: Let's do that. Uh, and in the spirit of the movie's title and main character, we're actually going to be doing this entire podcast via American Sign Language.
2: That'll be an excellent listening experience for
0: everyone. <laughs> I'm
2: sure that'll really come across well. Uh, 2020, yeah, we're still inclusive.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, so Mute, I loved it. It's very Blade Runner inspired and anything Blade Runner flavored is something that I'm going to be interested in. And while this wasn't the best movie ever, I definitely appreciated it and I like vibed with it quite a bit
1: mm-hmm. uh, well, that's that's one description for it. Uh.
0: <laughs> that's your opinion,
2: and you're allowed to have it, Dave.
0: Oh no. This is a 1 V2,
2: isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think right now. I'm gonna be honest with you, I actually didn't finish the movie because I I didn't I couldn't I couldn't sit through it anymore. I just couldn't I had to leave. No. Uh, At <laughs> which
0: part did you bail?
2: Um, it was about halfway through. I, I just Oh my god,
0: you didn't even get halfway through it. I couldn't you didn't even get to the main plot points. No, this is perfect because the main we plot got somebody not in the second
2: half of the movie, right? I need <laughs> something to keep me there. <laughs> and I was and Sorry. I was into it. Like as soon as it started, I was like, um, oh, he's Amish. That's interesting. And then I was like, Oh, it's a sci fi movie, that's also interesting. And then there was like a really emotional part, like ten minutes in, and then after that it was just bleak. <laughs> Nothing.
0: Well, that leads to a good segue into just describing what Mute is at its core, and Mute is a movie that takes place in the year 2052, and it's about a main character who is an Amish man, and he was injured when he was a boy in a boating accident, where part of his, essentially his neck had been cut up, and he is now mute and unable to speak. So the movie's exploring how living in the year 2052 and being Amish and also being unable to speak all comes together for this character named Leo. It was very interesting to see an Amish characterization of of so far into the future. Um, This city that looks like it's Blade Runner inspired. There's lots of neon signs and futuristic tech. And there's this Amish guy walking around in what looks like homemade clothes and suspenders. He's a very good looking man, of course. But just the whole premise of this movie and this character, I was sold from the first minute.
2: I was too, and then it gave me nothing for another hour. <laughs> what do you mean? It gave you nothing. Gave nothing. There was nothing happening. The plot was held together with duct tape. Yeah, um, the movie is
1: what it was. Is is. Yeah. Okay. So if if I wouldn't mind just getting on my pedestal for a second here, um,
0: uh, unsubscribe. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Get in line. Um. So like, I, I think the biggest problem I had with the movie was that it had too many gimmicks. Like, you know, you have that one layer that you know Alex Skarsgard's character is uh, is you know Amish, and you're like, cool, he's Amish, that's one layer. Then you got that second layer, it's like, oh, he's Amish, but he's also mute. You're like, all right, cool, we're accepting this still. Then it's like, but it's in the future. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it goes to like another layer, which is like, and his girlfriend's missing. You're like, oh, okay, so this is sounding like an Amish version of Taken. and then you like you you start realizing that's kind of you know heavily inspired by blade runner and it's like it it ends up being like the bastard child between like blade runner and taken but like in all the wrong ways so like that's where i walked away from it and i i had a really tough time swallowing this giant horse pill that was this movie
0: you don't even like Blade Runner. How can you complain about this movie being take, ripping off of Blade Runner?
1: Um, I, I <laughs> think just like because I don't I like it. I think you just explained it right there.
0: <laughs>
1: well, like it's one. I mean, of those, yeah, that's
0: a lot to take in.
1: Well, like I think my biggest problem with the movie overall was that they spent way too much time on details that didn't matter, despite the fact that like they already had a lot going for themselves, but like they spread themselves too thin on like the the meat of the material of the film and then put a lot of effort into things that did not matter whatsoever. So it's like the movie is about a mute Amish guy, right? So like automatically you have like this whole contrast of, you know, uh, technology bad, but we're leaving the future. And what does that mean? And it's this whole social commentary about that dynamic. And then, out of nowhere, they dive into the most ridiculous sort of avenues. So, like, do you remember that one part? So, uh, in the film, uh, Alex Skarsgård's character goes to the library for some godforsaken reason to pick up a phone book. Mm -hmm. Um, So, he's trying to, like, locate people and whatnot in the film. But then, while he's trying to find this phone book, because that apparently is still a thing in, you know, 2050... um, he is trying to locate the book, but it only allows you to locate books by voice. And it's just like this whole, like, oh, look how unaccommodating we are in the future. And it just spent a little too much time on that. And it, like that sort of detail is like, okay, okay why, why was that necessary?
0: I don't remember that being at a library. I remember that being at like a chicken ordering station. But then he uses that number to go
1: to the library to find a phone book so he could take the magnifying glass Oh, okay, yeah. And scan manually, page by page, volumes of phone <laughs> so, numbers in the year 2050. And this is we're just like, why don't we just spend 20 minutes on this? So,
2: who's <laughs> here, the thing about the phone books? I, I I agree with most of what you're saying, but we're in the year 2020, and phone books still exist because we don't have the infrastructure to get everybody internet access. So I, okay. I do believe like that's that's a legitimate thing that we're going to see uh, sticking around. Um, but at the same time, why would you only be able to look things up by voice? That just seems like bad UI des- design, right? It seems like well, you, know, you you know, you're not gonna take into account people's regional accents, you're not gonna take into account anything. Like it's you have to speak into this box and it's gonna But but
1: he's at the out. library where there is internet.
0: Well, clearly you guys don't know about the the Siri-Alexa wars of 2025 that caused basically World War Three. Oh, yes. Oh,
1: God, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And okay. the resurgence of Amish people. Oh, absolutely. How can you say
0: resurgence?
1: What makes Amish you think they ever went pissed. away? I know! Like, they're Let people. Let, like, let me live my fantasy.
0: <laughs> There's probably hundreds of them tuning into this very podcast.
1: Oh, oh yeah, definitely. From uh, what, Cannon Wire? Oh, okay. Now listen, a guy can awful. dream. <laughs> How do you click that subscribe button as an Amish? <laughs> uh, very carefully.
2: All I right. Mean, so, I like, live in rural Wisconsin. We have a lot of we have a like a pretty big Mennonite
1: population. They 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 were a thing. They exist. All right. So, like one thing that I am really impressed about with this film, apart from like clearly they spent like 95% of their budget purely on like graphics is the fact Paul that <laughs> is like the, the cast, the cast they got for this was actually quite impressive. Um, I was actually pretty blown away by how many times like, Oh, they're in this movie. Like I said that maybe like yeah. a good eight times throughout the entire VOA.
0: Yeah. And it was really refreshing for me to see Paul Rudd, uh, by the way, lots of spoilers in this, podcast i forget if i mentioned that earlier but to see paul rudd playing one of the bad guys in this movie and i love Mm. that it was a slow reveal to to show him as the bad guy in the beginning he just seems like a dick that's just out and about in the same world that leo lives in but later on he gets revealed to be the penultimate villain of the movie
1: Hmm.
0: yeah Yeah, and what a
1: rewarding experience that was I, think, um, obviously I thought I did, it was rewarding, but
2: I do think uh, Paul uh, actually plays a dick really well. I think I think being a bad guy is is something that's definitely in in his wheelhouse. Um, oh, God. All
0: right. As long as he's given a prosthetic porn stash. God, <laughs> do you think
1: that was prosthetic. Do you think that no, was, I think was he prosthetic? generally threw that one out.
0: <laughs> I, I I'd like to think it was a prosthetic, but I don't have any sor- sources to cite oh god i i just i i do not take paul rudd seriously
1: as an actor i mean give me like two films where he really just blew us away and if you say if you say new i swear i'm just going to like close out of this right now like give me two other films okay ant-man he was just like
0: there and i'm not a paul rudd fan so i've got nothing to give to you
1: yeah okay so like I, I I've been recently watching Community, which is you know a different TV show, but like they had the most amazing quote that really sums up this movie in terms of like Paul Rudd's involvement. Uh, in the show, they're talking about religion in general, and they go, "Religion is like any movie with Paul Rudd. I see the appeal, I would never take it away from anyone, but I'd never stand in line for it." <laughs> and that really just resonates so hard with me, because like sure he's, he was in this fine. and it, like it was just like vanilla it's just like okay cool we don't like him all right and at the end it's like yeah okay cool like it didn't build up to anything you're just like mm, all right it did build up in this movie oh god like none of the build-up okay quote-unquote build-up ever
0: <laughs> led to any reward in this movie like see i disagree with that oh. so from my perspective, this movie was about two different tracks, two different stories that you knew were going to converge in some fashion. But it totally blew my mind the way they converge. Like, I thought they were going to team up and find the the bad guy together or they were going to be, you know, maybe become partners and open up a detective agency. I don't know. But I just wasn't expecting Paul Rudd to, like, <laughs> be the villain. And his partner, what was his name? Duck? Yeah, it's stuck. Like, you can't tell me that you expected Duck's storyline to go the way that it did. Okay, can we just take a step back and try to appreciate the hypothetical
1: future that is an Amish detective? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god, run that by a forensics lab. Like, oh, you know it's not against like our, our culture. That's that's so not kosher. And I'm just like, oh, so true.
2: I think that's just an eighteen hundreds detective
0: story, right? <laughs> <laughs> But with but with T-Mobile Sidekicks in the year 2052, did you guys catch that his uh, cell phone was basically a T-Mobile uh, Sidekick? Yeah. Oh god, that <laughs>
1: movie.
2: I I really enjoyed that op- that first scene where he's with uh, Nadira, uh who's the the girl who goes missing, and like she gives him the phone and she's like, "It's the oldest one I could find." And there's just, like this really touching moment where they like go in the the video on the on the public screen and whatnot because um, mm-hmm. she, she's trying to, like, build the relationship. And I thought from there it was going to be, like, a really emotional story. But like Manny said, it it went in, like, a taken sort of direction that just didn't do anything for me.
0: Yeah, I did love the scene where Nadira gave Leo the cell phone and they were throwing their selfies up on the live feed. Uh, I also thought it was really touching. And it also made me miss those days of cell phones, which... It's weird to talk about a cell phone in a year 2052 as being, like, retro, but those phones that had the actual keyboards on them and opened up, those were, like, the best phones that ever came out.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. What can you do? I'm going to have to go a little bit off script here. Um, can we just acknowledge the fact that, you know, Alex guard's Gard, character as an Amish is the worst Amish ever?
0: What? Oh, Absolutely. absolutely.
1: How how right. is he? Okay, so like he is living in like. Are inner you going to judge
0: another? He's
1: inter, he's living in inner city Berlin, dating a very progressive girl, accepts a cell phone, and on top of that, he's working as a bartender in a nightclub. Like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I'm all for you know diversity and and all that, but like, never had I once been in the city and been like, mm, this place could use some Amish. Like that, it's just it felt very out of scene for me. And, like, it's like, kind of hard to connect with his character as an Amish when, like, it's just, like, a very... It was, like, a gimmicky thing throughout the beginning. It's like, yeah, yeah see the struggle? It's because he's Amish. But then, like, they move, They spent the entire film just completely just, like, crapping on all of that.
0: Maybe he's a young man on his rumspringa.
1: That's that's, that's what a what long that. rumspringa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, I think, I don't know, we, I mean, we don't actually, I don't, I, obviously I didn't finish the movie, so I don't know if there's more detail into his family later in it, but um, we don't know that he is properly Amish anymore, either, like, he could have, you know, left, um, and actually, the, the, given the fact that he does live in the inner city, I would guess that he left his community, um, because that's not something that happens if you're still properly Amish, you don't, you don't move away, like, you stay in the same uh physical area as
1: the rest of you family and whatnot. So what we're saying is he's like the Miller lights of Amish. Not quite Miller, but he's just kind
0: of there. I mean, there's of, so much judgment coming from you. What <laughs> if people like don't
1: adhere 100% to their faiths, Manny? Uh, Alright, you got me there. That's that's fair. That is very fair. Um, So I, I had a moment in this film where like I was really just like, what was the point of that? And I have to dive into it. So there's a scene where Alex Skarsgarths character, Leo, is going to a diner and he is looking up at the television and all you see is like this really weird sort of courtroom case with uh, what ends up being Sam Rockwell and a whole bunch of different clones. Did you all catch that? I did catch that, and that was Oh yeah, I caught that. that was okay, was so really funny to so like, me. Do you know why that exists in this movie? Yeah, I know why it exists. I think that, like, at first I was like, why the hell is this here? What was the point of that? And then I dived into it later, and then I realized, oh, it's directed by the same guy who did Moon. That's fantastic. Hell,
0: hell yeah, it's fantastic. It was one of the best things about the movie. No, no,
1: hold on. Th- that's the only good thing about that movie. <laughs> that's not true. Ugh.
2: You just, you really are hating on this on this film
1: dude man well he's hating the hell out of it well it's just like it's one of those films where like you dive into it and you, you you know you buckle up and you prepare yourself for it and the more you dive into it like you wonder why do they spend so much time on those things and like the set design like the production value of this movie was was top notch it's it's a very well polished movie if you all happen to be deaf which is the ironic thing about this movie um, so like everything looks amazing, but the content of the movie was just so lacking
2: I think if instead of producing an action movie, they tried to make some sort of like relational like what does it mean to be disabled or um you know othered in some way in in the future? I think that would have been way better than
0: well, they did touch base on that quite a bit later in the movie Jarrett. um. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they at should one... do that
2: earlier and I would have watched the entire damn thing.
0: <laughs> maybe you should have the attention span of somebody I that's not 11 years could, old. I
2: couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't keep like going from clue to clue. It wasn't doing anything for me. I wasn't I wasn't invested. They was the only thing I was invested in was their relationship right at the very beginning and then they just got rid of that right away.
1: So The movie was also very predictable. What? Uh-oh. Bullshit. Okay, so like okay. So the, there's that one scene where uh Leo, Alex uh, you know, Skarsgard character, goes to that really weird, what was it like a, a barbecue joint and he, he's in there because he's trying to follow a lead uh, to find his missing girlfriend and there happens, to like in that scene there happens to be uh Paul Rudd's adopted well daughter in this scenario because reasons and while you're sitting there and Uh, Alex Skard's character is interacting with this girl, you realize they're both um, quite quiet, not really talking, and they're both really interested in drawing. And at that point, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's totally Nadira's uh, daughter, and that is totally going to end up being his kid. And you just sit there and you're like, yeah, calling it right now. And then two hours later, you're like, wow, called it. Thanks for that.
0: See, I did not see that coming at all. Uh, I didn't get any of that. I
2: didn't either. I had
0: no idea. Yeah, like I had no idea that it was Nadira's daughter. That Nadira and Duck had the daughter together, um, and that's not Duck. So
1: um, Parrot. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. My bad. Cactus. Um, Cactus. No. Ugh. Cactus.
2: That's that's a great name. Yeah,
0: it's a great name. But name. I'm. Can I say that? If you're AWOL from the military, it probably from the American military, it probably doesn't make sense to drive around a fucking Hummer with like American flags on the side. (laughs) That Uh, was the worst vehicle to be hiding out AWOL in. I and did they they probably explained it later in the film, but what was
2: what was the American military occupying Germany for? What was Oh that that, that's that's the great
1: thing. They, I don't. I'm pretty sure they never fully explained that.
0: Yeah, I don't remember them explaining it either. But I also didn't need it to be explained.
1: Sure, sure. But at the same time, like that's what I mean when they spent too much time on details that didn't matter. Because also, there's very frequent points in the film where Paul Rudd's character interacts with military officials. So, like for some background, um, Paul Rudd, who's playing Cactus Bill. Is an uh, American soldier that went AWOL during some sort of conflict while he's in Berlin, where this entire story takes place. And throughout the entire film, uh, Paul Rudd is interacting with like military, like American military officers, and they never quite explain what that whole relationship <laughs> is. And you're just kind of like, wait, is not he like on the run? What's happening? No, nothing. Cool, moving on. Which, if you're not going to explain
2: it, then it's obviously not that important. And why is it a plot point at all? Why can't he just be Thank stuck you. there because he doesn't have money? Why can't he be stuck there because Thank you. they won't let him out of the country? like th- that? It seems like they set up like some intense world building and then just never finished.
0: I think the reason they had it might have been just to to quickly let us into the relationship between him and Duck, his like partner and, and sidekick. When you say that they were in the military together, they became military buddies. That instantly gives you like a lot of backstory and understanding into where they became friends and what they might be capable of. You know, they're, they're medics or surgeons for the military in some capacity. So you know immediately that they know how to fight. They know how to help people in times of stress. They've probably been bonded in blood to some capacity. It's a quick backstory. Well, without having you, to actually explain it.
2: I think you can give that backstory without having this, trying to lay on this additional, um, you know, obstacle of the military looking for him. Because it, as, as much as I saw, it didn't actually factor into the story at all. It was just like, oh, I'm AWOL. That means something.
1: Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of this movie <laughs> is like the director being like, here's a whole bunch of noise. It's up to you to sort it out. And, like, that's a lot of mental work for me to, like, filter out what's important and what's not because like it almost forces you to re-watch it again to be like okay that was important and that wasn't and that was and it's 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 too much noise against like a screen like i i just i, I sat through it and I, I'm, I'm glad i did it and it's over now and we can move on with our lives as far as i'm concerned
2: it sounds like i'm glad i stopped watching after the hour
1: um, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Jared. Um, there were many times where I paused the film. And I was like, oh, God, there's still like an hour left? Oh, there's 20 more minutes? Oh, it's not over yet? There's 10 more minutes? Like, and then the
0: next time he paused, there was somehow another hour left. It didn't make any sense. Oh,
1: I, I was convinced I was living in Groundhog's Day all like throughout that entire movie. It was It was just that
0: long. Can we all just agree on that Duncan Jones, the director of this movie – and the creators of Halo 5, the video game, don't know how to write an AWOL story.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with that. Did, okay, did perfect. Duncan, did Duncan Jones have a hand in Halo 5? Because that would make a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> I don't believe he did, but he did direct the Warcraft movie, so he is involved in video games in some capacity. What so if, Okay,
1: you knew that going in here. Why did you like <laughs> ask us to watch this film?
0: <laughs> I've seen it three times. I think this film's, I, I love it. And it's free. It's on Netflix. How much can you really complain about it? I, so, again, so I, much.
2: I really Obviously. bought into it right at the beginning with the, the he's Amish, the he's in this weird relationship. It's a sci-fi movie. I bought into all that. And then it just, it just, it just failed to, to give me any more of what I needed out of it.
1: Okay. can Okay. I need to, to, to vent about another gimmick that really just annoyed me whenever I saw it. So he, he being Alex Skarsgård's character is really into water. He loves to swim and they show him many times where he's like swimming in water. Um, and then they do this thing where he is about like, he, he's clearly thirsty. Like it almost felt like a Dasani commercial because he was really thirsty and he'd get this giant glass of water oh hold his breath and like the camera did this whole long shot of like 20 seconds of him drinking water but holding his breath and oh, come then on water. 20
0: seconds Oh God
1: it felt like an eternity 20 seconds is generous sir
0: this was a this was a count to ten moment for him this is how he dealt with stress in times of intense stress where he needed to calm down this was his coping mechanism. And, of course, it's a little odd, but for him, it was drinking, like, a liter of water in one one go. It made him relax. It made him calm down. Hold on a so second. I'm so
1: glad that we got that four times, just, just in case. Oh, and did I count? Yes. Yes, I counted four times.
2: Okay, so I thought that because it opens with him in the water, you know, getting injured, and then there's also a brief scene of him, like, swimming in a public pool, and then he's doing the water thing at home. I thought that it was going to pay off later that he was going to be able to, like, hold his breath underwater for some reason. Like, that's what he was trying to do. Did it uh, end up paying off? Or was that just a... I'm sure. It paid
1: off. Did it? Did it. Yes, it did. <laughs> did it? Did it,
0: though. A hundred times over, yes, it did.
1: Okay, okay. I I, I know it, you and I are on the same page, because we both have seen the film, and we're both on two sides. Uh, describe that scene for our lovely uh, listeners.
0: Well, to describe it, we're going to have to give the end of the movie Here away it, to Jarrett. Just give it um, to me. I'm not okay, so I, I, that's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point in the movie, I don't know where you, exactly you gave up on the film, right, but Duck? Right after Duck? that
2: scene we discussed earlier where he goes to yeah. the barbecue place and meets uh, Josie, um, Bill's little girl.
0: Yeah, so after that, Duck is revealed to be very much a pedophile. He's doing really yep, shady things with that. children. Okay, okay, so that's before that. Um, so later on, that causes a lot of strife, and actually, Cactus gets stabbed with his own knife, and he's he's bleeding out in his basement. Leo stabs him in the throat. Okay. And Cactus comes by and basically lets him... He lets. I'm sorry, Duck comes by these names are ridiculous. I keep getting them mixed up. Duck comes by and he basically lets Cactus bleed out without helping him so that he can have access to his daughter. Gross. Yes, very gross. Uh-huh. And so it starts to converge into a, into uh, Duck being the villain and basically trying to take custody or control over the daughter. And Leo steps in and there's a scene on a bridge where Duck was going to be throwing leo into this deep river and eventually leo drags him down with him into the river he was it handcuffs his, his hands were tied in some capacity but he essentially just like walked on to duck and dragged him down into the river and then held his breath for a long time and then swam to safety once once duck was out of the picture it's a good thing he drank all that water beforehand I mean, I that kinda, was entirely different. I think,
2: I think that was, I think that was part of it because he was doing the whole like breathe out, drink a bunch of water, and mm-hmm. breathe back in. So I, I like I, I feel like that's that's paying off. I feel like that's.
1: Oh, they
2: could have given us like more of a reason of like why he was doing it and why he was swimming and stuff like that, but.
1: But do did we didn't do we need the whole water thing? Because like there, are... okay. So the one part in this movie that gets me is the scene where Leo's character like he is following leads to find his missing girlfriend right and mm-hmm. throughout that entire process like it leads to uh, a couple of dead ends and there's one where like it seems like it's hopeless and it cuts to him uh like you know swimming is clearly therapeutic and he is swimming underwater for a long period of time and he stops at the end and he just wants to scream Uh, In the pool, but he's mute. So like he he can't scream and all you see is bubbles coming out because he's clearly very frustrated by, you know, trying to find his girlfriend. And um, that that definitely uh, swelled some emotions for me. Like I, I I definitely kudos to, you know, Alex Skarsgård because like he was given a a role that had maybe like four lines of actual um, any sort of (laughs) real dialogue in any capacity. And he really gave like the biggest bang for your buck in terms of like delivering emotional um, satisfaction to the audience. So like at that scene, he's just like pouring his heart out underwater, trying to scream, but he can't. And like that, that did it for me. It's like the whole part of like him being a, a super swimmer, like that sold me towards the end. We didn't need to see like him drinking gallons worth of water to get that sort of deliverance at the end. I I feel like that was a little bit too much.
0: I still don't think that the drinking and the payoff at the end are related to me. Like in my head, it was just a stress thing that he did. Um, I think it was when he was searching, holding
2: holding his breath.
0: Yeah. It could definitely be looked at that way. Um, every time he did it in the movie was, was basically at a time of stress. There was a time where Nadira was late to coming home. And that's when he took a big gulp of water. Another time was when he was looking through the phone book and he was just getting extremely frust- frustrated with not being able to find the address and the information that he was seeking. And you see him fill up a water glass and just down it in one chug. And you just see him visibly change. Um, it's kind of like in the Superman movies where you see, Superman, like like bulking up his shoulders, and then and then bulking down, like it's like two different people almost.
1: Right, hold on. Did you really just compare Superman to, to this film? Like, you, you know, I'm. Do you compare that anything to anything, Manny.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to take that oh, very personally, sir. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I do. it's uh, it, it, I it's just say? really difficult. to to really enjoy this film, to, like, it's, I think the best way to describe it is kind of how the critics described it. It's it's just a very visually polished film, but it's just really unfortunate how little it gives back.
0: Well, this movie, I I know it's not a popular movie, and it seems like most people that have seen it have had (laughs) your guys' reactions to it. Um, But this movie was extremely personal to the director, to Duncan Jones. This was made after his father had passed. And this movie was also a passion project that he was working on for well over 16 years. So finally getting the funding from Netflix to do this movie and, and get it out to market, to me, like, yeah, it might not be the best movie that's ever been made. But this is a great example of like of a passion project from an auteur filmmaker that Netflix was able to get the funding to. And it's just a beautiful project. Like, even if you don't like it, I don't really understand how you can't, like, be excited that this exists. I mean,
2: all of my eighth grade poetry was really personal to me, but I don't think Netflix should fund that. So there is that. Can you read us some of that? No. Since you brought it up? (laughs) No, I cannot. Uh, (laughs) It's real bad. And it makes me look like a douche. So. You are a douche. Oh. Ow. Oh. hey! Can you I, just got say, even. Can I just say real quick? Uh, we've we've been on this this uh, podcast for about half an hour now, and nobody has talked about how gorgeous
1: Alex Skarsgård is. Okay, it doesn't need to be said. That's okay. just a oh, fact. Yeah. The sky is blue. The ocean is vast. <laughs> Alex Skarsgård is gorgeous. Like these are things that just we understand. They're just true. We just
2: know them to be true. Okay. mm Hmm. But 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 you were right, Manny. His his acting, even without um, any lines, was phenomenal. Um, even even though
1: I don't appreciate the
2: the film as a whole, I thought his his performance was
1: amazing. Um. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up again because I I really want to talk about how he is the worst sort of part in this community, mute person out there, right? So like, what? Imagine. Okay, how like imagine you, how, his role how can as you a be bartender. Mad at being mute. No, no, no. no. Like, uh, imagine his role as a bartender, right? Um, let's let's have a moment where like we just try to visualize that interview that was between the club owner and Alex Skarsgard's character. So he he works at like a very poshy sort of nightclub, but like how often do you see him trying to really interact with people and using words? In any capacity, written, uh, sign language, like most of the movie is just spent him pointing at things and like giving faces. Like he doesn't really communicate all that well throughout the film. I'm just trying to like, at what point do we do we really connect with this struggle? Like I had a really hard time really connecting with the whole gimmick that was the mute aspect of this film. A lot of things Yeah, we know
0: resolved. Manny, you hate Amish people, you hate mute people. <laughs> we understand.
1: No, like there were a lot of scenes that could have been resolved quickly if he had just written a couple of things down.
0: I didn't get that impression at all. Like the only customers that we really saw him interact with at the bar were the ones that were sexually harassing his girlfriend, so he he didn't have to communicate with words. He communicated by grabbing them and throwing them through a door and threatening them with violence. Oh. We didn't we didn't see him, like, mm-hmm. taking drink orders and, and mixing drinks. That's not something that gets to be seen in movies. It's not exciting.
1: Like, the majority of the film is him just walking up to people and holding, holding up a piece of paper that says Nadira and pointing at it in the most Alex scarred way that you can. And you're just Which like... amazing. Oh, oh absolutely. If, if that's what you're looking for, uh, watch this film. Watch it a hundred times. You will, you will not be disappointed. But if you're looking for a little bit more than that... Um, no. Didn't get much. There's nobody looking Can for I more get, than that,
2: Manny. Yeah, His I upper just, body yeah. is crazy. I just want a stupid cut of this movie with just Alex Goyesgoye looking at people.
1: Just <laughs> emphatically
2: looking at people.
1: Oh my god, yes. Absolutely. That would do it for me. That would, I, would watch, I would sit through all of that. That's actually the director's <laughs> cut, and uh, I'm all about it. Uh-
0: <laughs> and the other side of that, Manny, is there was a movie that came out very recently... Called Brahms the Boy Two, or something very similar to that. Uh, did you guys see this movie by any chance?
1: No. Mm-hmm.
0: no, I'm not familiar with it. Thank God. I would never wish this movie on my worst enemy. But Brahms the Boy Two is about a mute boy, and he basically has this doll that comes to life that's evil, and and you know the rest. You know the whole movie from that point. <laughs> but the boy being mute, he has this pad and this pen and paper where he does communicate to his parents and to other characters very frequently. In the movie, it comes to a crawl every conversation because the mother will say something, and then they'll they'll show the boy writing in his book, and then he'll flip the book, and the mother will read it out loud, and then the mother will reply, and then it's just rinse and repeat, and it's terrible. It's not entertaining in any capacity. That was actually a movie that I walked out on in the I, movie theater.
2: Yeah, I agree. If they if they had used if he, they have used that um, every time he needed to communicate something, it would be. Uh, you know it would it would just drag the movie on um but i i do agree with manny in that if there was um a situation where like stopped the like if it stopped the the forward motion because he couldn't talk then that's dumb too because um he's got a pad that he could just write out where's nadira or uh i'm looking for nadira not
0: just a name we also had pictures at one point but Yeah, Yeah, If if somebody comes Uh. up to you and just shoves a
2: picture in your face, it's not going to give you any relevant information.
0: That's fair. I mean, he was showing the pictures and the name to people that would know who she was, though.
2: Yeah, but, like, there's some other essential information, like, I'm her boyfriend, she's gone missing, I'm trying to find her.
1: Right, like, create an FAQ sheet, like... (laughs) 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 Like... Point to ones like, have you checked here? Like, yes, yes, I have. He just points to it like, we've gone through this. Come on, people.
0: But this conversation, this might be where the Amish side of his character comes into play because, you know, if an Amish person walks up to you and says, hey, I'm looking for for this restaurant or this person, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, let me help you. You're not going to be like, who the fuck are you? Where are you asking questions? You're not going to call them out on it. It's like a fast track to trusting somebody.
2: Sure. I don't think sure. that's true at all. I. And maybe this is just because I, again, I live in in a rural area, and we do have a lot of those um, people. We we have a, a large in that community, but like I wouldn't, I would treat them very similarly to anybody else if they came up, hey, and started asking me questions. I would be potentially suspicious if, if the situation weren't it as well. Okay, so well, what if they were mute? Oh. Then I, I would probably be more sketched out, honestly. Like, if, if they're not like, um, I mean, if somebody just comes up and starts gesturing wildly at me, I'm going to have some issues with how that situation has progressed. Okay, unless um, it's Alex good. I mean, because so delicious looking.
1: I I need to interject here and, and bring up a point that like was really bothering me once I got to the end of the movie. Right. So. At the beginning of the film, Jared, do you remember the part where um, Leo is uh, talking with his girlfriend, and she's clearly in distress? Like she has shown up in his apartment, and she and then is, he
2: doesn't tell him anything.
1: Oh wait, no, no! But like, here, here's the beauty of it: Madeira is just like, "Look, uh, you, you know, I love you, Leo. I love you so much. We're, we're like, you're just fantastic." And she goes, "But you don't know about my like my life. Like you don't really know about me." And Leo does this whole very like thing like whatever your problems are like it doesn't matter because we love each other you're just like, yeah. yeah you know like love do you remember that scene i did i do yeah okay so it's really important that you know that because at the end of the film spoilers turns out what she was going to tell leo is by the way um we have a kid um and that's kind of how the movie ends by the way so you would think that regardless of that romantic gesture you know, that she would just be like, no, <laughs> that's adorable. But no, seriously, like, you have a kid out there. So, so well, like, you see the movie. To- the kid feature- wasn't Leo's. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. I. That's how I interpreted it. Because wasn't no, the whole wasn't. thing that, like, she was giving. Okay. So at the end of the film, so people can just out there can uh, be on the same page. Um, Leo uh, pretty much jumps into the water with Doc. Duck is no longer there because Leo pretty much drowned him, and Leo takes the kid um, to a diner, and it turns out that all of the wood carvings that he's ever done um, for Nadira has gone to this child in the form of bracelets. The way I interpreted that is that, oh, this kid actually ended up being Leo's.
0: Am I, I think older? you're reading into that quite a bit. Um... The kid doesn't talk, def- the
1: kid draws, and the kid has a whole fascination for these wooden drawn water bracelet I thingies.
0: I don't think boat injuries are passed down genetically, Manny. It's <laughs> not like she inherited it from her dad.
1: <laughs> she does talk, but like, the whole point was that she was essentially mute for the entire film. Did nobody else capture on that?
0: I mean, it makes sense from a certain perspective, but then why is Cactus so interested in her? He talks about her like she's his daughter the whole movie.
1: Yeah, but I think that's the whole point. Like, he he is woefully misguided on this entire um, thing that it is his daughter. But, like, we find out that for some reason, at, you know, throughout the film, Cactus... Okay, so to give some context, um, we find out that Cactus and Adira actually were hooking up for a bit in this film later on, way later on in the film. Later on in the film. And then we find out is that at some point, um, she gets pregnant and stops hanging out with Cactus. And that's sort of like the crux of this whole awkward situation. Um, the way I interpret that is that she met Leo, hooked up with Leo, got pregnant, and then she stopped eating Cactus. That's kind of how I interpreted it.
2: Just as an aside, oh. I was Googling while you were talking, and it seems like Josie was actually Cactus's daughter, and Nadia um, just orchestrated the whole thing to get Josie away from him. Yeah,
1: hmm. I thought <laughs> so what you're saying is this movie had less payoff than what I originally thought. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> just because you imagined a different payoff and. Had some sort of crazy haze where this was your truth <laughs> doesn't mean you can blame the movie for not having this as a plot line. <laughs>
1: uh, please, please give me a reality where, like, this film makes any sense now to watch for anybody. Because, <laughs> like, that was the most. I've seen it three times. Ugh.
2: I've seen it half a time, and that's going <laughs> to be about that.
1: Okay, but, like, Dave, you watching it many times doesn't say much. You're also, like, a huge fan of, like, Mystery Science Theater, so, like, you're accustomed to watching crappy films. <laughs> that's true.
2: Maybe maybe your like tolerance for bad movies is just
1: so high because you enjoy doing that. The bar is set currently so low, so everything <laughs> on top of that is just so amazing.
0: <laughs> hey, I enjoyed the movie. You can make fun of me all you want. It, it but... was
2: it was a very good looking movie though.
0: And oh, yeah. yeah, and that's half the fun for me. Uh Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 are very close to my heart. And just the fact that this movie looked vaguely similar to them meant that I was probably going to like it.
1: <laughs> okay, so like the, the Blade Runner influence is very heavy in this film. Like lots of neon, we have the flying cars and everything. But it sort of exists in a world of like pre Blade Runner, so to speak. Because like we have the flying cars we see one time, and then the rest of the time you see Leo driving, like, this old-school Cadillac with wheels and gasoline. <laughs> like, wait, this rich, nice club owner can't afford this whole flying car? Like... <laughs> it's, I look, mean,
2: it's only food to use in the future, Manny. They haven't gotten rid
1: of all the stuff that we have look, now. Look, look, screw off. I'm still waiting for my Back to the Future uh, hoverboard, sir.
0: It's not going to happen. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> and they framed the car as being, like, like a retro item that he put a lot of money into restoring. It's like the equivalent of uh of somebody driving around like a 60 Mustang or something in modern times today, like an old-fashioned car. Yeah, we still use bicycles, Manny. Yeah, Manny. <laughs>
1: Wait, I don't I don't appreciate what's happening here. <laughs> Well, I know. We, I feel the whole
0: just, damn podcast. We spent so much
2: time uh, yelling at Dave about this movie, so I felt like maybe we should tune it down.
1: This is fair. This is fair. I'm, I'm ready for this now.
0: No, I, I actually agree with you in some degree, Manny. Like whenever you see a, a modern, you know, 2020 vehicle in a futuristic movie, it, it does pull me out of it, and that's something that Star Trek uh, Beyond did that frustrated me. Like at some point they just find this Harley Davidson that a captain of a starship was restoring recreationally, and they're like, "Oh, let's drive a Harley Davidson and listen to the Beastie Boys," and I'm like, "How the hell is this a Star Trek it movie?"
2: There was way too much Beastie Boys in the the new Star Trek. Movies. Okay,
1: we're getting we're getting off track, but I'm just gonna say that was the best Star Trek film of the new ones. I, I'm just gonna put that out there. Um, I'd agree with you. Yeah, and that's a very low bar to set. Um. (laughs) Well,
0: it wins wins by proxy of just having Idris Elba in it.
1: That's true. true. What a gorgeous man. Can he already do James Bond?
0: And it was a surprise Idris Elba. It was like, there was like (laughs) 10 minutes left in the movie. and It was like, oh. Oh. The best Idris Elba. (laughs) Plot twist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Dave, we spent a lot of time really like crapping on this film. I really want to spend some time talking about what you generally enjoyed about this film and why people should watch it, right?
0: We've already talked about the visuals. Uh, This movie is a feast for the eyes, and that's something that the three of us have definitely agreed on. Um, The thing that I really liked and took away from this movie, I talked about it a bit earlier, was the narrative structure. This movie is not structured in any conventional way. It doesn't have a three-act structure. It doesn't have straightforward... Um, it doesn't have straightforward plot lines. It's It like threw me off the first time I saw it, where these converging plot lines, who's the bad guy, the bad guy changes. It almost felt like a Coen Brothers movie, specifically citing No Country for Old Men, how there's just like that mid-movie change, that big change where you're just like, oh, that's what's going on now. And it threw me off. It threw me off. I enjoyed it. I liked what it did with my expectations. That's. I just thought the plot was Bad.
2: I didn't think it was an interesting structure. Just
0: bad. Can you guys at least agree that in the future bowling is gonna be a lot more fun than it is in today's times? So did you see those bowling balls that they were using?
1: Did they look any different than today's bowling balls?
0: One of them was a was a dice block. It was much more square than circular. No, like it was, they had different it was printed on there.
2: It wasn't like I, I know what you're saying, because when it came out of the shoot. Chute... I, I originally was like, "Oh, that's interesting," but no it, it's just like it's just like a skin, like it's just it's just painted like a
0: dice. Yeah. Um, oh man, on my TV, I thought it was like a, a rounded off dice block. Nah, I no. I because <laughs> I I thought the same thing as well at first, and then
2: it came out, of, and then I looked at it a little longer, and I was like, "Oh, that's just a cool paint job."
1: Yeah, it ended up being just like kind of a, a square inside of a resin sphere. That that's actually pretty common. Not that I'm a, like a bowling I, aficionado, just just saying.
0: Well, I guess so bowling's still gonna be boring in the future, even your opinion on
1: bowling. <laughs> I'm gonna come like a little towards the, the positive side here, because like it was a very different film, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Like, yeah, it,
1: it didn't have like the very conventional like hero's journey. Like, you know, it it, it definitely kept you on your toes in the sense of like you don't know what to expect next. Um, sure, from the negative side, it's like what you expect next is just gonna be hot garbage. But from like the neutral side of things, it was still very unexpected, and that kind of makes sense. Because uh, did you know that the director's father is, is is David Bowie? Yeah, yeah. So like you know like it's it's sort of that whole reinventing artistic side of things. So like I, I kind of appreciate the fact that this film didn't take the conventional route and and did sort of try new things. You know, there were some things that fell flat on his face. Um, but the fact that they tried, I I think is is definitely notable here.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see what Duncan Jones does in the future. I think he's a brilliant filmmaker with a good eye for setting up scenes and framing. I mean, I'm just really excited for his future.
2: I'm really not interested in watching any more of his films.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't believe anybody is. (laughs) Did you hear that he's making a shining, a, a the shining television series? (laughs)
1: <laughs> and okay. that's like, uh, I think the, the the bow that beautifully ties off the fact that this movie is just crap.
0: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: God, why, why? The the like that's that's a great question of this entire film. Like, why? So,
2: just I think why sums it up pretty well, Manny. Oh, absolutely. You don't
1: depth? Oh, that's that's yeah, that really is. Like throughout the entire film, every five or or ten minutes, you're just like why 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 was that why was that important okay why mute this why? was
0: definitely worse than the last movie <laughs> well the next one i'll let one of you guys pick okay I, I believe i've given you the opportunity to pick a movie or suggest a movie but you're all me 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 me, no, me. I, like I can't the make last decisions one. what was it called again the the one we watched last time i've seen so many movies <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think the last one we watched was uh, the one with uh, Anna Kendrick. Um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Right. Right. Yeah, that's Mr. the one that right. the three of us watched last time.
0: I um, liked that one. That was good. It wasn't as good as Mute. Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh. yeah, because of oh, the better. Oh, the critics than disagree, mute. sir.
0: Uh, well, the critics are smarmy assholes that don't understand good movies. So <laughs> what now? I don't see them podcasting.
1: <laughs> are, you, are you are you searching correctly? Because I see of <laughs>
0: Manny, they don't just let you have a podcast. You have to be accredited and a trustworthy source, okay? Oh, that's right. Not Gosh. just any three random
2: white guys can, you know, set up a podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Manny's on board as long as none of them are Amish or mute, because he hates those people.
1: Look, I'm just worried about them in the distant future when they're looking up for phone books in the library. Will they be accommodated? Did, is that something <laughs> we need to know right now? <laughs>
0: All righty, fellas. Well, I appreciate you talking to me about Mute. I really love this movie, and it was fun to get some different perspectives here. Obviously, we all had different opinions, but I really enjoyed the conversation. Likewise, I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. And thanks to anybody who tuned in to listen to this episode. I appreciate it very much, especially while the podcast is so young. Next week, we're going to be discussing Fractured, a Netflix exclusive. Should be a great time. I hope to see you there. Stay safe. Bye-bye.